This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. This is the place to hear fantastical fiction and hear from authors of fantastical news stories. This episode is another chapter in the fantasy novel Plantwise, book one in the Steward's World series. If you're ready for the magic of story, let's begin. Chapter 23 When Dylan returned to the tree, his arms loaded with a skin of wine, cups, cheese, and warm apple cake, he found Arden asleep. He stood a few moments, simply drinking in the sight of her. It amused him to realize she seemed so much smaller when she sat still, no bright energy and constant movement making her seem so much larger. He wanted very much to kiss her, but he feared it would wake her like in the old tales of magic spells. The healer in him demanded Arden be allowed to sleep as long as possible. Instead, he set their treats down on his handkerchief, then took off his jacket and spread it over her to keep her warm. Just one more day, he told himself, and this charade would be all over. Arden would have her reward, and Ambrose would reveal his true identity. Half the battle would be won once they had smuggled Arden out of the palace. Then it would be a race to the border, where her brother had stationed soldiers to watch for her. His grandfather had bluntly told him to be ready to leave Stonemount and not return. Dylan could only hope the King of Brentonwald had responded to Ambrose's request for help, and the protection of Lord Anselm and Princess Fiera would free his grandfather at long last. Dylan gave himself permission to dream and plan for the future, possibly with Arden. He couldn't really know until there were no more false tales between them. What would she say when she knew he was Ambrose's grandson? For the first time in his life, he wished his grandfather had held on to the throne so he could offer Stone Mount to Arden. Master Dylan! Olive waddled down the path, waving her arms, her hair flying from her exertions, and her face red with effort. Your grandfather needs you, now. He cast one glance back at Arden and ran to meet the old cook. She was one of the few trustworthy palace servants, and she had supported his grandfather's deception with a smirk and a chuckle. She had recognized Dylan when he first appeared in disguise, slapped him for being cheeky, and hugged him with tears in her eyes, glad he wasn't dead as all the stories said. For her to be worried enough to speak about Ambrose where anyone could hear, something was deathly wrong. The bride is coming, Olive gasped, and nearly collapsed into his arms. A day early? The next moment, Dylan nearly burst out laughing. He hoped Princess Fiera kept Maddox guessing like this for their entire marriage. His obnoxious cousin deserved all the trouble the Brendanwald princess would give him. Master Ambrose needs you. He says it's urgent. Dylan hesitated. Should he wake Arden? Then the next moment he knew it wasn't necessary. It was far too late in the day for more than welcoming Fiera to Stonemount and settling her into her rooms for the night. The grand ceremony to present the magic apples would have to wait until morning, and Arden most certainly needed her sleep. He wrapped an arm around Olive to support her back into the palace. His mind raced speculating on how he and Ambrose would spirit Arden away to safety. He had barely stepped into the palace when Maddox, Bathan, and Clancy hurtled down another pathway toward the apple tree and Arden. Maddox led the way, fists clenched, 
forehead creased in fury, swearing under his breath as he stomped his way up the path. His henchman hurried to keep up, grinning at his discomfort. I should have known she'd do this to me. I'd kick her high-bred rump if I didn't think Brentonwall would declare war over the insult. Arriving a day earlier than we agreed, she lied to me, he snarled between his teeth. You have to admit, Bathan said with a badly repressed chuckle, she's a wife to match you. Maddox turned his head and opened his mouth to retort, but they had reached the tree then and the sight of Arden asleep among the baskets of apples startled them all. You, the king roared, on your feet! Majesty? Arden yelped, nearly reaching her feet before her eyes were fully awake. What's wrong? My bride is here. She'll be at the palace gates at any moment. I need your wretched apples now. Yes, Majesty. I marked the perfect ones this morning. It will be only a moment. She ran to the tree and started climbing. Clancy sauntered over to the tree and bent down, turning his head to try to look up her skirt. Maddox slapped the back of his head hard enough to push his face into the trunk. Leave her be, he growled under his breath, the fire in his eyes real enough to make Clancy blanch. I don't share. The sound of trumpets and cheering drifted on the evening breeze to them, as Arden made her way to the top of the tree where the three most perfect apples waited. Their perfume made her mouth water, and the golden glow of magic around each apple was visible in the dim evening light. That sounds like trouble, Clancy said. Drums could be heard now. She's taking too long. Maddox paced a circle around the base of the tree, cursing under his breath. These apples down here look just fine, Bathan gestured at the basket of rejects. She's sabotaging me, Maddox gasped. She's taken the best apples off the tree already and now she's making me late. He snatched three apples from the basket. His face twisted into a fierce mask and he reached up to shake the trunk of the tree, making the topmost branches where Arden perched sway abruptly. It's too late to cross me. You've failed. He laughed as she shrieked and slipped and barely caught herself with her knees hooked around one branch and her hands desperately snatching at others. No, Arden wailed, breathless. You can't. The best apples are still on the tree. Laughing, Maddox led the other two at a run, leaving Arden to struggle out of her awkward position. She slid and scratched herself and caught her dress on a branch, tearing it, and tore the palms of her hands in the fight to keep from falling and seriously hurting herself. Glinna appeared as she landed on her knees on the ground and burst out in racking sobs. Child, what happened? Auntie, everything is ruined. Maddox ignored the triple rows of torches and the guardsmen in straight lines with gleaming uniforms. The servants in pressed bright livery, the nobles in their jewels and silks and velvets, the avalanche of flowers and the thick plush red carpet that lay without a wrinkle all the way from the wide double doors of the palace down to the spot where Princess Fiera would step from her carriage. He fumed and snarled silently, his face a serene stone only betrayed by the fire in his eyes. Fiera had arrived a day early, and though everything was exactly as arranged, he raged inside because it was on her schedule, not on his. Well, he would have to teach her very quickly that in Stonemount, the king ruled in everything, no matter who his wife's father might be. He cast narrow-eyed glances at Bathan and Clancy, and wondered yet again what they had done with Jago. 
All anyone knew was that the irritating old fusspot had vanished overnight. No body, no outcry, not even a spot of blood or a sign of struggle to indicate where he had died. Maddox knew his two henchmen had done it. They had been itching to remove the old man and his precautions for years. While he didn't mind finally having Jago and his frequent lectures and precautions and criticizing glances removed once and for all, Maddox resented the abruptness of it. He wanted the old man to know he was being removed and why. He wanted to see that flash of realization and despair before the blow that shut his mouth once and for all. What he resented most was having Jago gone when he could have laid the blame for any failures and disappointments tonight on him. Curse them both. Bathan and Clancy should have notified him what they were going to do. They had probably acted without thinking. That was their usual pattern, after all. Maddox wondered if he should punish them immediately for their inconvenient timing. Maybe he would let it build up for a while, prolong their agony. If he got rid of one of them, the other one would be more loyal and might learn to think before he acted. At least he had the apples. He almost smiled as he looked down at them, gleaming red and gold, smelling sweetly like new wine in the silver bowl he held in both hands. He almost laughed, remembering the little shriek Arden made as she fell. He hoped she wasn't too badly hurt, because he planned to rip away her little charade tonight and enjoy himself. She wouldn't be any fun in bed with a broken arm or leg, and if her pretty face was marred, that would reduce some of his pleasure. But Arden and Clancy and Bathan would have to wait. He had to deal with Fiera right this moment. Ambrose appeared on the steps, pushing his way through the gathered nobles at the same moment the royal carriage of Brentonwald appeared in the palace gates. He appeared entirely unimpressed by the eager, breathless nobles in all their finery. He wore no jewels, nothing to make him stand out among them except by his very simplicity of dress and the silver sparkles of magic swirling through his hair. Maddox fought down a shiver of portent. Ambrose hadn't stirred up his magic so strongly to be that visible in years. What was the old man up to? We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. Looking for some space opera on the light side? Maybe something reminiscent of a certain groundbreaking TV show? You might enjoy the adventures of the AFV Defender, a starship with a growing reputation for misfit luck and adventures that puts her crew on the forefront of solving mysteries and problems in the Alliance. Book One, Friendly Fire, in which the Defender is infested with miniature dragons. Book Two, Here There Were Dragons, in which the Defender is sent on a diplomatic mission to a planet with dragons in their history. Book Three, Etrusca's Vow. Lieutenant Makar is sent home to Nisandros to face possible execution, or worse, diplomatic marriage. And coming this fall, Book Four, Inquest. Only one ship in the Alliance fleet has a reputation stranger than the Defender, and that's the Inquest, with her crew of rule-breakers and miracle workers. When the two ships are assigned to work together, the biggest question is which one will survive the mission. The AFV Defender series, space opera, from Michelle Levine and Ye Old Dragon Books. And now, back to the story. 
Dylan stayed in his grandfather's shadow as he searched the crowd for tall, dark, gaunt Lord Anselm, Bruntonwald's ambassador. He silently begged Yeshin that Maddox wouldn't look directly at him. Much as he despised his cousin, he knew Maddox wasn't so much a fool he wouldn't recognize him, despite his dyed hair and his beard, and believing Dylan had been dead several years now. Everything was poised to go utterly wrong. He could only hope that his grandfather's requests had been granted by Brentonwald, and Anselm would be a shelter and ally if things started falling apart very publicly in the next few minutes. His gaze landed on Maddox, much as he didn't want to look at him. Dylan nearly stumbled off the step when he saw the apples and silver bowl in Maddox's hands. Everything had indeed gone wrong. When had the king changed the order of ceremony for welcoming Fiera? They were to have a grand procession out to the tree itself, to pick the apples in Fiera's sight, to prove the apples did come from that tree. Why had Maddox changed things? Where was Arden? Wasn't she to be allowed to present her apples to Fiera? Horrid suspicions washed over him. Was Maddox reneging on his vow to reward the one who had healed his apple tree? Had Arden been discovered? Or had Maddox simply made her vanish when no one was looking? Fiera's carriage rumbled up the long cobblestone road to the palace steps, while Dylan hurriedly whispered his suspicions to Ambrose. The old man nodded, looking concerned, but not concerned enough for Dylan's tastes. I will take care of that lad, never fear, was all Ambrose would say. Anselm stepped through the crowd, reaching the bottom of the steps at the very moment the carriage smoothly slid to a stop. The stiffly dressed nobleman waiting there stepped up and opened the door and folded down the steps. Four maids in the deep green of Brentonwald stepped out, followed by four guards, stiff and tall and dark-skinned. Then Fiera emerged, dressed in dark green, sparkling with emeralds and diamonds, tall and coldly beautiful. The sharpness in her eyes made Maddox stand up straighter, tilting his head back. Despite his worries, Dylan grinned, Perhaps his royal cousin had found a real challenge in this bride. He rather hoped the princess made Maddox suffer for a while. Anselm gave his hand to Fiera and helped her down the steps. They exchanged small nods, and one corner of her mouth quirked up in a flicker of a smile. Then Fiera gave a shallow curtsy to Maddox and held out her hand. Not to beckon with sweet coyness for her bridegroom to come to her, Dylan realized and from the new flash of fire in Maddox's eyes, the king knew this too. No, Fiera held out her hand for her apples. She would not move one step until she got what her father demanded, proof that the blight-affecting Stonemount, which everyone believed had killed Queen Bianca, despite all Maddox's efforts to kill the rumors, had been cured. Maddox barely refrained from stomping down the steps, slowly, prolonging the moment as a new kind of silence fell over the watching crowd. Not even the torches crackled in the waiting anticipation that washed over them all. Glenna appeared, sparkling green and gold with agitation. Ambrose, stop her! That idiot Maddox took the wrong apples, Glenna cried, wringing her hands and flying circles around him. In her agitation, she flew through several courtiers. They all flinched. What? Ambrose groaned. As one person, he and Dylan and Glenna turned to see Maddox hold out the bowl with the apples. He decided Arden was taking too long to climb up and pick the best ones. He took bad apples. Maddox! 
Ambrose shouted. Ripples of astonishment nearly knocked some of the courtiers off their feet. Nephew! Princess Fiera's hand hovered over the apples. In a moment, Uncle Ambrose, the king sighed, not even looking at him. For the sake of all you hold dear, Ambrose cried, as he pushed through the astonished, overdressed nobles and petrified servants. Halt! Fiera glanced at him, then at Anselm. The ambassador frowned, then tipped his head slightly to one side. His eyes narrowed as he looked at the apples. An impish smile touched Fiera's lips. She picked up the apple and held it out to Maddox. After you, my lord. Arden limped down the pathway of crushed seashells and sparkling gravel, blood on her face and hands, her kerchief torn off her hair, her dress torn in several places, nearly blind with tears. She had to get to Violet. She had to get out of the palace. She had to find a place to hide. Where was Glenna? Where was Dylan? Surely he would help her. Everyone lived in fear of Maddox. Oh, why hadn't she listened to Glenna's warnings and advice? Like a fool, she had trusted in justice and astonishment to paralyze the court and halt Maddox's retribution. And now look what happened. Maddox would kill Violet. Arden didn't care what Maddox would do to her, because she would die inside the moment he harmed her child, Darian's child. But she cared what Maddox would make Alex do for her sake. Why had she risked so much? Why had she been so proud? Then suddenly Ambrose and Dylan were both there, trying to hold her and guide her to a bench to sit, and she couldn't resist them, could barely speak for a moment. It's ruined, she finally sobbed into Ambrose's shoulder. Everything is ruined. Auntie was right. Grandfather, what have I done? Why was I so stubborn? Shh, child, it will be all right. Ambrose smiled at Dylan over her head. No, it won't. I lied. I played by Maddox's rules, and look what it has done to me. If only I had listened to Auntie and simply asked for Ambrose and left as quietly as I came, she wailed, shaking her head. Why do you need Ambrose, the old man asked, with a touch of laughter in his voice. No, that couldn't be laughter. The old man was too kind. He wouldn't mock her in her hour of despair. He knew something, though. Arden sensed it. A shiver went through her magic. A warning. Anticipation of something about to happen. Yet how could she expect any sympathy, any help, any sacrifice if she wasn't entirely honest, if she didn't drop all her deception right this moment and face the truth? She lifted her head and knuckled away her tears and withdrew just enough from his supporting embrace to see his face. Let the truth begin now. I am Princess Arden of Westerland. My daughter is dying, and I asked to come see Healer Ambrose to save her life. Maddox refused. It was the last insult and injury I could take from him. I came here, and I lied. I planned to take the reward for healing the tree he stole from me. I planned to reveal the truth to shame him once and for all. But he took wormy, rotten apples to give Fiera, and when he finds me, oh, what will happen to Violet? Her voice cracked, but she didn't break out in fresh tears again. You've been so busy plotting your revenge, my dear, he said. You never realized that I already healed Violet. You knew all along? Of course they did, Glynna said from over their heads. Ambrose and Dylan can both see me, and he knew exactly who you were. Oh, Auntie, what am I going to do? You were right. If it means anything, Fiera made Maddox take a bite first 
and the look of disgust on his face was almost worth it. Dylan grinned, despite their glares. He grinned wider when Arden gasped, and the reality of it all struck her hard. You're Ambrose? You knew what I wanted all along? Oh, I could just... Now she did burst into more tears. Come, child, we don't have much time. Ambrose stood and raised her to her feet. When Maddox finishes his temper tantrum and trying to recover his dignity, he'll be much too busy trying to think his way around Fiera, Lord Anselm said, appearing out of the gathering darkness from another direction. You have been playing a dangerous game, princess. Haven't I been able to keep it secret from anyone, she cried. She felt her mouth twist into a crooked grin, just for a moment. Some day, if she lived that long, she would appreciate the irony and the ridiculousness of this moment. Maddox always looks for someone to punish when he plays the fool, Ambrose said. I can't get out of Stonemount quickly enough. Too late, Dylan said, pointing in the direction of the palace and the hints of torches, meaning people approaching through the gathering darkness. Grandfather, what can we do? Trust me, I know how to settle Maddox once and for all. Ambrose took hold of Arden by her shoulders and turned her to face the crowd with Maddox, Clancy, and Bathan at their head. Uncle, Maddox gasped, skidding to a halt. What are you doing here? What has this lying little slut told you? Princess Arden has told me the truth, which you never did, Ambrose said. For shame, Maddox, poisoning the entire palace to kill an innocent child. Arden clasped Ambrose's hand a little tighter, but said nothing. Uncle, I assure you, no more lies, Maddox. She's the liar. She said the tree was healed, but every apple is rotten. Only bad apples fall from that tree, Maddox, Arden said quietly. The good ones are still on the branches. If only I could be sure of that. He pulled himself up taller, his mouth twisting with disdain. Your game is up, Arden. You have lost everything. Wrong, Ambrose said his stern expression relaxing into a weary, sad smile. He freed his hand from Arden's clutch and placed both hands on her shoulders as he closed his eyes and bowed his head. Silver sparks appeared in his hands. A silver nimbus of magic sprang up around Arden. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragon's Library.